This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Making Shift Happen. I am feeling better, just in case you uh, missed it last week. I got the COVID, finally. Um, it's It was a little tough, like, the first night. Uh, just sleep was impacted, all of that stuff. So, my voice, I think, sounds a lot better than last week. Please do, though, keep in mind that I am away from my podcast recording equipment. So, I'm in quarantine, trying not to get my partner sick. So, all of that podcast equipment, nice mic, all of that stuff is downstairs. So, I'm actually having to use my good old laptop here and the sound quality here. And I mean, to me, it sounds okay, but it's not, it's just not my, my blue microphone. Nothing beats that blue microphone, but it's been a little difficult for me. Um, only because, I mean, I haven't been sick since 2015. So it's like eight years. So it's my first time sick, you know, trying to go, go big or go home, I guess. Um, but you know, all in all, things are good. It's just the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to test negative so I can get the hell out of here. All right. On that note, I thought that now would be a really good time to talk about how to train after an illness because illness can be tough, you know, and for that very reason, it's sometimes a better decision to ease back into your training once you start to feel better. Now, this is especially true after like a viral or upper respiratory illness or like a gut virus, you know, since your body, it it had to fight off an intruder. And, you know, like my recent intruder, if the COVID of the COVID variety, you know, it's a nasty bug. And I don't think it's happenstance that I finally did get COVID in three years, the very week that, well, unfortunately, the same week that my period started, yay me. But then also when my sleep and recovery was just kind of crappy, you know, my recovery from my workouts wasn't too bad. I was actually feeling pretty good with that. However, my sleep was not ideal in the days leading up and, you know, talk about a double whammy, (laughs) but my body was already down from the reduced sleep, you know, and then on top of that, hello hormones and then bam, got sick. And it's safe to say, too, that endurance athletes may experience upper respiratory illnesses at a greater frequency than others in the population because of the nature of their training. It just, it leaves them more susceptible to illness. You know, the demands that are placed on your body as an endurance athlete, especially with the heavy breathing and pushing of the limits, mentally and physically, that can sometimes take take it a bit too far and leave your recovery to be less than ideal, especially if on top of your intense training, you're not getting adequate sleep, much like I was, you know, before I got sick. And especially if you're doing back-to-back races, that can also really set yourself up for success in terms of getting a virus, you know, or having some sort of upper respiratory illness. Now, because illnesses can really set you back, you know, a good week or two, sometimes even more, depending on the severity, All too often, I see frequently that the fear is that you're going to lose your strength, endurance, or progress, period, when you take some sort of time off. But I am here to tell you that I want you to remember, I want you to remember that 
you're actually not really going to lose anything. You know, you're really not going to lose much. Studies have shown that that you're actually not really going to lose much strength or endurance after taking a week or two off. You know, it's usually when you get closer to maybe about a month or so, and that's if you're just absolutely not doing anything, right? So embrace that fact and focus your time and energy on your recovery more than anything. And most importantly, remember these key words here. Maintenance is still progress. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Maintenance is still progress. So even if you're having to take some time off and, you know, rest and recover and sleep a little bit more, eat a little differently, whatever that is for you during that rest and recovery time, that doesn't mean that you're still not progressing. You're still maintaining, generally speaking. That's not to say that your first workout back is going to be absolutely amazing and you're going to crush it. No. But, you know, just know and give yourself grace that those first workouts, and I'll I'll talk about this here in a few minutes, but those first workouts back, yeah, you're going to need a little bit of time. You're going to feel a little bit more tired. You're going to feel a little bit more exhausted. You're going to, you know, the weight, if you're weight training, that's going to probably feel a little bit heavier, and that's okay. The key is I want you to really just give yourself some grace and give yourself that, that leeway to recover and just be, all right? Now, the best thing you can focus on, of course, is getting better. And that's what I'm here for. In this episode, 110, we're already at 110 episodes. Holy hell, Uh, over 20,000 downloads. I'm so excited, but let's keep this going. So today, here's some of the best ways to help you recover more adequately, okay? All right, I, I think I have like 10. Yeah, I've got 10. All right, first one, of course, this is obvious because, hey, I'm not a doctor. I don't have an MD. Uh, You know, I'm not a DO. I'm not any type of doctor. I'm just a research nerd, and I like to share what I learn and make it as simple as possible and convey that to you all. But the first step is obviously see a doctor for an evaluation if you need one. You know, don't neglect medical care and truly truly reflect on if you need any medicine or some sort of medical assistance to help your recovery. You know, I had absolutely no shame whatsoever in scheduling a telehealth visit with my healthcare professional. She's a PA, and I, I love her to pieces. You know, shout out to Kayla. Um, I don't think she listens to my podcast. Hell, I don't even think she knows that I have a podcast. But she's amazing, and she's actually in my neighborhood here. And um, it was just nice to touch base with her because, you know, hey, I'm in my 40s. I'm 43. I do have a couple of things just pre pre existing, you know, I've, I've had some high blood pressure in the past from stress and things like that. Um, and then I have a, a vocal cord dysfunction, which can make breathing a little bit trickier. And of course, catching COVID, you know, I wasn't sure how these would, would kind of unfold for me, right? So I wanted to see her. Um, plus, you know, I will go ahead and say, even though my symptoms were very mild and have been mild thus far, uh, they did unfortunately trigger a, uh, like a panic response for me. And I'll explain here for a moment. So of course with COVID, it's an upper respiratory illness. And as I said earlier, I have not been sick since 2015. I'm just not the type of person who gets sick. I don't really get a cold. I've never had the flu. My God, knock on wood. Jesus. Um, but you know, Still, because it had been so long since I've been sick, I actually forgot what it was like to feel sick, okay? And it's always in the back of my mind a little bit worrisome because I do have 
and have been formally diagnosed with PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, with drowning and or choking. Okay, now with COVID, of course, you get a really thick phlegm in the back of your throat. Feels amazing, let me tell you. I'm being sarcastic. And unfortunately, that did trigger a PTSD that I have actually worked on and have worked on very hard over the years to to more or less kind of recover from, or at least learn how to manage, right? Unfortunately, COVID triggered my PTSD. And it made sleeping incredibly hard because, man, when I went to go to sleep, it was like I was choking on my own phlegm. It was awful, and I'm going to maybe maybe I should actually put a trigger warning in here um, for this minute that I'll talk about this. But I needed some assistance because, as a lot of you know, I am a long-term, a long-time, I should say, uh, meditation practitioner, mindfulness practitioner. I'm very keen on breathing exercises especially because I do have vocal cord dysfunction. I am, I'm keen on that. I, I know how to control my breath. I know how to control my emotions, more or less. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those situations where even if I have all of the tools and I know how to use these tools in my toolbox, I wasn't able to get over this PTSD hump. And that, uh, quite frankly, I needed some assistance. And the only other time I've had the situation happen for me when I, I did feel like a panic was also when I had a health situation. <laughs> it was when I was in my 20s, early 20s. Uh, it was I was living in North Carolina at the time. I had uh, been at the store that I was in charge of. It was a coffee shop and I was managing it and it was right out of college. And um, I left there to immediately go for a mountain bike ride. And it was hot out. It was like 97 degrees. I had already worked probably like eight to 10 hours. I'd say, I think it was close to 10 hours. So I'd already worked that day. Then I had the afternoon, cause you know, you at a coffee shop, you start working at like 5 a.m., right? Um, my workday basically ended early afternoon, got on my mountain bike ride, went for a mountain bike ride by myself. So I was actually solo which is very easy to do in North Carolina, by the way. Uh, and unfortunately, like at some point during the ride, I remember my face felt funny. Kind of felt like my face was droopy. And I was like, shit, like what the hell is happening? Am I having a stroke? That's my first, you know, thing that I that comes to mind. So get done with the ride pedal back to my car, get into the car, go home and decide like, okay, maybe just take a shower. Maybe it's just the heat, like whatever it was. Like, let's take a nice warm cold shower. Great. I was doing cold showers before it was popular, bitches. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I take a shower because I was also thinking, well, if I've got to drive myself to the ER, then I, I don't know. I don't want to smell like I just mountain biked around all the, around all the nurses and everything. You're welcome. So, you know, I'm in my early twenties. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Uh, the shower, it kind of made me feel a little bit better, right? But not a hundred percent because my face is still droopy. Like I look at myself in the mirror and mm, half my face is droopy and I'm like, shit, okay, well, that was a quick shower. You know, it's been like maybe 20, 20 minutes since onset of symptoms. Like, let me just go ahead and cart myself to the ER. Went, carted myself to the ER, drove myself my ass there. Uh, and I was nervous. I'll be honest with you. Like I checked in, 
they they saw me very fast because of my symptoms, um, because it could have potentially been a stroke. But um, I was by myself and I was in a hospital room and I was like, shit, like, I don't know what's going on. It was just scary. And I told them, you know, because I sometimes can have a little bit of white coat syndrome just because I, I had a bad bone break when I was a kid, right? So a little bit of medical trauma here. <laughs> um, but they were like, oh, hun, like, I'll get you this. Because keep in mind, we're in North Carolina. Everyone's called hun. Brought in a couple of Xanax pills. Keep in mind, I've never taken anything like this in my life. And I also know that I am a lightweight when it comes to any type of stimulant, alcohol, depressant, whatever. And I'm like, oh, let me just take one, all right? Well, I took one. And let me tell you, if that nurse would have came in and told me that I was having a stroke, I probably would not have cared, honestly. And that's what I told her, actually. I, I still remember telling her that um, when after I got the CAT scan and I got some other scans and things like that done. Um, they came in, you know, said, yeah, it's definitely not a stroke, but it could have been like heat stroke or something like that. So treated me for that, sent me on my merry way, but yeah, I just would not have cared. But I, I had an acute episode of anxiety basically, you know, and I don't want the A word anxiety to be something that we shouldn't talk about. You know, I don't want it to be taboo. So I'm openly talking about this with all of you because I think it's important to recognize when you need help. And this past week, I recognized that I was having some anxiety that was also impacting my sleep. And I need to sleep in order to recover. All right, I've got this virus. I don't know how my body's responding to it. I just desperately needed sleep. I was reaching the point of just absolute delirium. So fortunately, I reached out to my doctor this past week with my telehealth visit and explained everything to her. And she was just like completely understanding. So shout out to all the healthcare workers who are listening to this. I know there are quite a few of you. For those of you who truly do listen to your patients and just take in what they're saying and, you know, with an open mind, because of course I was asking for something that I didn't realize. So I'm ignorant. I didn't actually realize that Xanax is like so um, potent. Um, because again, my only experience with it was back when I was like 23. And when I explained that to her, you know, I was like, Hey, I just need like the tiniest, tiniest dose. Um, blah, 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 blah. So she gave me five days worth. Now I didn't realize that she did also give me the option for another medication that is of course less, uh, intense, I guess is the proper, you know, way to word this. But I opted to go with something that I was familiar with. Well, let me tell you. First couple nights, I only, I'm taking a half of the smallest dose that you need and I'm sleeping really well. It's a, it was enough to just take the edge off and for me to get some sleep and lo and behold, I'm feeling better. So all that to say that I really, really urge you, even if you're maybe not real big on taking medication, I get it. Please consider if it will make your condition better, all right? Don't be ashamed to take some medicine if you need it. Medicine exists for a reason in order to extend your health and your healing. So please utilize that, all right? Please. So first and foremost, obviously see a doctor, take some medication as you need as prescribed, all right? Second thing that you can do to help with, you know, you handling illness as best as possible is hydrate, you know, and this is generally true for almost every type of illness, GI bugs included. You're going to have to stay hydrated. You want to keep your body you know, functioning as, as well as you possibly can, especially if you're not able to, to eat as much, which we'll talk about in a moment. Third thing, hey, 
Add in some electrolytes if you need them, especially if you have a fever, some GI issues. Obviously, listen to your doctor, but you know this is kind of a standard thing that they always usually tell you. It's, it's something that my, my doctor even told me is like, hey, just stay hydrated. Definitely take some electrolytes you know, as you need, blah, blah, blah. All right, fourth one. This is the one that I needed help with. Focus on sleep and rest as much as possible. So if you need some assistance with sleep, great. You know, like maybe talk to your doctor about taking some magnesium before bed and at dinner time or whatever. Just try to emphasize your sleep routine and, and really try not to let your sleep routine slide at all while you're ill because that could just make that illness carry on a little bit further, okay? Don't force yourself to exercise is the fifth tip here. And this is going to be the big one because I know even for me, like on day three this past week, I'm like, I'm ready to rip a barbell apart. Like I felt so ready, even with an elevated heart rate, I still felt the need to want to move and lift weight and get sweaty and all of this stuff. Like I'm even thinking of ways like I can get my bike up here into my quarantine room on my trainer and maybe do like a zone two workout. I'm thinking all this bullshit. No. Don't force yourself to exercise. Your body needs all the strength it has to fight the viral invaders, especially if it has a virus or if it's a bacterial infection or whatever it is. So give your body some rest, please. You know, give yourself some grace and rest, damn it. Rest, 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 rest. Now, number six, uh, this is when the health coach in me is going to be making a plug here. Now, I'm not going to tell you some bullshit thing of like, hey, you need to take XYZ supplements. You need to eat XYZ food to like boost your immune system because there is not really a way for you to boost your immune system. That's kind of a misnomer and it's a marketing ploy. I'm not about that bullshit. Now, however, you can opt to eat some micronutrient rich foods. You know, yes, you likely want some comfort foods. Like I freaking want tacos so badly and a chicken goddamn pot pie. But, you know, I, I don't have the energy to make chicken pot pie. I don't really have the energy to, like, order one. But please know that, yes, you will likely want some comfort foods. And that's okay, too. You can have those comfort foods. They're going to make you feel good. Eat things that make you feel good. As long as you're also trying to keep yourself fed as best as you can, you know. But also, while you're eating those comfort foods and chicken pot pies and all that stuff, right, also, try to get some adequate fruit, vegetables, and, and especially protein in as best as you can tolerate, okay? And I understand there's obviously going to be certain situations when you're just not going to be able to tolerate things as well, and that is totally fine. Soups and broths are definitely comforting. You know, smoothies can also be too. Whatever it is, but try to have some sort of comforting foods balanced with some of those richly colored fruits and veggies if you can tolerate them. Now, if eating is difficult for you, you know, maybe you have a sore throat or something like that, then opt for mashed foods or pureed foods, or like I said earlier, smoothies is, that's a really great thing. You know, also the big thing is don't reduce your food intake that much. You know, even though you're not necessarily moving your body as much as usual, it's not a great time to slash your calories when you're sick, you know, just because you're not training and moving your body as much. Your body, it actually needs fuel to help recover. So try not to neglect yourself of that. All right. Now, number seven, I'm going to, I'm going to step off my, my food, my food soapbox here. Uh, but number seven is to get outside and walk if you're able to, you know, getting some fresh air and some sun, especially on your skin that can help you feel better. It can help you increase your, you know, energy a little bit, a little bit more. And it can also help you sleep. 
you know, getting into that cycle of sunrise and sunset, you know, getting some sun on your skin that can help you sleep because it can really help set your circadian rhythm as best as possible and things like that. You know, I know for me, the days that I have gotten outside just for some fresh air, played with Milo a little bit, I've felt a lot better and I've had a little bit more of an easier time going to sleep. All right. Number eight, we're in the final three here. You're, you're hanging tight here. Um, number eight, do things that make you feel good. You know, maybe watch some guilty pleasure TV, read a little bit, write, draw. I don't care whatever it is for you, because it's different for all of us. Right. But whatever it is, do things that don't drain your battery too much, but also make you feel good. You know, this can also include naps. <laughs> naps are a godsend right now, you know, and, and, and they're definitely something that can be embraced if you're able to do that. And if you're able to take the time off from work and things like that, you know, all of this is, is considering that you're able to take some PTO time off, whatever it is, you know, for me, I've just been working a lot from the bed. Um, I did have a chair brought in here with a little ottoman, uh, just so I can have something to sit on because I feel like I'm in a dorm room, like 24 seven here. Um, but you know, it's just nice to, to have some things that feel good. And like for me, yeah, it's been some guilty pleasure TV. You know, I might, hell, I might even start watching Bachelor right now. Um, don't tell anyone, but yeah, I used to watch Bachelor and I have no shame in that because that shit's entertaining because let me tell you, like my life is pretty status quo. You know, I love my life, but it's, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of like drama. Right. But I sometimes do love watching other people get some drama. Uh, AKA drama in case you can't understand what the hell I'm saying, but have no shame. Embrace the, the guilty pleasure TV. All right. All right. Number nine, try moving your body. If you feel up to it, you know, sometimes things like yoga is really nice, or maybe doing some mobility work or light body weight squats or pushups, whatever is in your bandwidth, maybe some, maybe some planks that are modified, whatever your body, whatever sounds good to you, you know, whatever you feel like your body needs. Because sometimes it can just make your body feel yummy. You know, it can make you feel kind of yummy and make you feel a little bit good and make you feel good about moving your body a little bit. And that shouldn't be neglected. You know, if you, if you feel like your body needs something great, then address it. Please pay attention to it, but please don't do a full on hit workout, you know, especially as you are finishing up recovering. But maybe it's a good time to practice some yoga and mobility and, and stretching or whatever. All right. Okay. Last step. This is more about after you recover. All right. But when you do recover, ease back slowly. Please don't start the, the week, you know, back with a test, some sort of, you know, FTP test or some sort of hard effort or a hit or whatever. I know you're ready to go. Trust me. Trust me. This is, I'm saying this because I'm fucking ready to go right now. Like I'm ready to work out. Like I feel fine. Still for test, testing positive, but I know that you're going to get to a point when you are ready to G-O, but your body may not be quite as ready as your mind and antsy limbs, okay? So instead of like going full throttle and doing like a full workout, doing some one rep maxes and things like that, try to do some zone two aerobic training that's really slow and nice and easy. And again, it's just a yummy movement for you. Again, maybe try some yoga, do things that are slow and steady, and maybe avoid those intense intervals and one rep maxes for a week or two at a minimum. Okay. Now I'm going to also emphasize here that the studies have shown that after a bout of COVID, even if it is mild, it is best to take a week or two to ease back into the intensity. And that's mainly because they want 
you know, you to obviously avoid any potential for long COVID symptoms and such. Now, is this applicable to other viruses? Not necessarily, but I generally will, I will go ahead and say um, with relative confidence that any other future viruses that we have or future pandemics, should we experience them, um, because we probably will at this rate, if they're respiratory, chances are it might be the same situation, okay? So just please, please, please ease back into it. Take a couple of weeks. You're not going to lose anything, you know? And, and I feel like the risk to benefit ratio here, when you really look at this, okay? When you have the risk of, of potentially having a long series of COVID symptoms or other long symptoms, right? You have that as a major risk, okay? It's 10 to 20%. Now, if you want to take like a week or two off, like to me, I think it's worth it when you're when you're gauging that risk versus the benefit. And that's what I often talk about. And sometimes it's often mis, misconstrued for people or misinterpreted for people when I'm talking about risk to be, reward benefit um, or risk to benefit rather when it comes to analyzing a certain situation. And that's when medications, you know, like when I did uh, research for a biotech that's what we're always looking for is we're looking at the risk versus reward, you know, beneficial type of scenario here. You know, we want it to obviously, we want the medication that you're going to be taking, for example, to have a greater benefit for you than the risks that are involved. Because other, I mean, honestly, everything involves risks. I mean, hell, mountain biking involve ris- involves risks. Trail running involves risk. You know, I've had, I've had clients and, and friends and neighbors trip over things and break bones literally while, while trail running things inherently do have some sort of risk, but you have to kind of balance it out with what the benefit is, okay? So, friend, those are those 10 things that you can do, especially when it comes to training. But the big takeaway here is, you know, getting back to training after an illness, the big thing is to just ease back in and give yourself some grace. That's that's what I really want to drive home for you because I want you to remember that maintenance is still progress, okay? Maintenance it's still progress, friend. And I hope that this this, this helps you realize that not all is lost after illness. And, and the key thing is, again, just take it easy and know that your training isn't going where it will. It's not going anywhere. It will always be there waiting for you. Okay. If you'd love some coaching guidance with your nutrition or your performance, then hey, apply to work with me. I've got a link in the show notes. Check it out. Only takes like one minute to fill out the form and then you can get in touch with me and we can log a little phone call to see if we're a good, a good mit, a good, good fit. I'm having a hard time with words right now. All right. Until next week, friends, I hope you have an absolutely beautiful day and I want you to think negative thoughts for me uh, in terms of me getting the hell out of quarantine right now. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, have a beautiful day and I'll catch you next week. Bye.